Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Dr. Amankor and each week we will bring you an important message as we explore how to detox toxic relationships. The aim of this podcast is for you to unlock your own inner knowing, your own inner greatness, so you can know how to heal from the impact of a toxic relationship so you can get your life back on track and live your best life. After all, we are all worthy of loving our life. How do we stop ourselves from getting into toxic relationships? Because we're doing a lot of detoxing right now. Because when you're married to a narcissistic person or you've got family members or toxic bosses, you name it, you're already in it. And it's such a different story from what if you didn't allow this to happen in the first place? How many years would it have saved you of like turmoil, emotional upset, the pain, the anxiety, all the trauma symptoms, the lack of sleep, the wariness, the self-doubt, the lack of confidence? Wouldn't it be amazing if you could now um, help yourself not get into those toxic relationships in in the first place? Now, let's be honest here. It's not always possible to not be in a toxic relationship. Because if your parents are toxic, you didn't have much say in in that re- in that relationship. Yeah, you were born into that. You, you That's not something that you could have controlled. However, moving forward, you can choose what kind of relationships you have, what kind of partner you have, what kind of workplace situation you will working. You have a choice of where you work, what kind of friends you have. And whether you continue to have people around you that are toxic, even if they are, you know, part of your family. What if you didn't let this person in to your life in the first place? Think of all the years and the aggravation you would have saved. Hindsight is a beautiful thing. Um, So what we're going to do, we're going to look at 12 specific ways not to let a narcissist in your life in the first place. But before we get into this, if you want 2024 to be different for you, you want to feel better within yourself and have a completely different life moving forward year on year, then please look into the resources section and you'll find a masterclass. You can apply for the Heal to Thrive program, which is a deep dive, a four-month program, and we can see if you're aligned. But before I get into this, let's think about, so that's the program. So if you want to know more about that, then drop me a message um, or, you know, go down the Heal to Thrive masterclass route and we can look at whether this is a program that can be aligned for you so you can have your life back on track. So Before we get into how do we stop ourselves from ever getting into these relationships ever again, if you think of something different, drop me a message. I'm always interested in people connecting with me and I love getting messages from you guys um, and ladies. So drop me a message and also subscribe so that people can find this content. Share, you know, subscribe so that people can find it, so that we can support other people in healing. 
because honestly, you're not alone. This is a community and we want to help heal as many people as you possibly can. Um, So, okay, let's get into it. Let's talk about the 12 different ways never or not to let narcissists into our life in the first place. It really is about gatekeeping. And the thing here is you don't realize how much you've saved yourself until you look back and think, if I knew how to not get into these relationships, it would have been worth me investing in learning this in the first place. So even though you might think, oh, I don't need that, but you might need it. And it's well worth listening to this and really taking heed of this moving forward. So you can save yourself maybe years of unhappiness. Look, many of you have found me, this podcast or this um, YouTube channel, because you've been married to someone or been in a relationship with some kind of narcissist or, or psychopath. That kind of close, intimate relationship with a narcissistic situation can can really, really hurt in so many different ways. Because the fact is that this person that who who is in you in this relationship with you is sometimes it 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 can feel like a real sting. It can really hurt, and you can really give yourself a hard time because you find yourself kicking yourself you you feel you're a victim but at the same time you you feel really upset because you allowed this person in and it's not that straightforward so please don't give yourself a hard time about being in this relationship like you should have known better that you're strong to you know you're so much more stronger than allowing someone to disrespect you in this way that you must be weak or or something that's not true at all please do not give yourself a hard time every single person makes mistakes we all make mistakes i'm with you on this one i've made these mistakes mistakes are a part of life. That's how we get to grow and evolve. This is not a mistake. This is an opportunity for growth. And it's really, really important that you are able to see this. Here's the key. Narcissistic abuse recovery is important, but also gatekeeping is part of the recovery process. It's not just about surviving and living your life trying to please everybody else. It's healing so that you find yourself and you never allow this to happen again to you. Narcissistic relationships, if you don't heal from them, create or allow more narcissistic relationships until you finally decide to heal the trauma and you finally end the cycle. And there's definitely 12 ways of being that, you know, this part of the healing process to ensure that you never get into another toxic relationship again. You know, number one, you, you've got to start with looking at your the way you give people second chances. This isn't about giving yourself a hard time. This is about giving yourself the chance to grow. You know, this is really important because the narcissist has always given you a hard time about you're not good enough. There's something wrong with you. It's your fault. But This process is about you allowing your gatekeeper, the part of you that is um, allowing different people into your life to to get stronger. 
yeah, so that you can learn and evolve from this experience. As an empath, right, it might feel a bit cold for me to say you need to stop giving people second chances. I really don't mean it in that way. I'm talking about, you know, really understanding that second chances is okay, but it's the third chance and above that we really need to stop excusing people's behaviors. It's not really the second chance that's a real that is the issue here is the 50th time or the 100th time that we're giving them the second chance. The first time someone does something wrong, you know, it's okay because we all make mistakes. Life is is there to help us evolve and grow. But the most important thing is that we address it then and there. We don't get overly defensive or overly excited or we don't allow other people to gaslight us. And if something like that happens, we call it a day. It's so much easier to go into relationships knowing that we're willing to cut our losses early on. And then it gives us more security and trust and belief in ourselves that second chances don't turn into habitual letting people enabling people to abuse us. Yeah, that's the thing that happens in relationships. And and that's what we really need to look at is what am I willing to do moving forward and making that commitment to ourselves early on that actually the very basis of my relationships and what I'm expecting is for people to actually take on board what and listen to what I'm asking them to do and actually see a change in the behavior. If I'm actually asking someone to be on time, to be respectful, to tell the truth, to respect me and to listen to me when I'm speaking and take on board the things that I'm asking them to take on board and if they can honor that or if they can't honor that and it's only about what they think and what they want then we're in trouble. We need to give we need to give ourselves that commitment that we're not going to keep giving people second chances and you know you know just allowing that to happen. Number 2 is really links into you know second chances. Number 2 is all about are we making rationalizations for somebody else's behavior? The, the truth is we can never know what's going on in somebody else's head. We really don't. We don't know what really is going on. So we really don't need to rationalize what they're doing and, and make excuses for somebody else's behavior. The very thing that we need to look at is how do they make us feel? And, you know, rather than making rationalizations for behaviors. And this is the second sort of, this is the second thing, you know, um, that we really need to look at is that, am I trying to attempt to explain things away? Am I trying to make excuses, justify, be understanding about their behavior? Because actually what you're doing is just enabling them. And that's a bigger issue. It might actually start innocently, like, oh, they're really having a stressful day. It's about understanding where they are. Or we're just trying to get to know each other. Or maybe they didn't understand what's bothering me. 
even though you've told them what's bothering you, or maybe you think it's you. You might think like, oh, maybe I'm the one that's wrong. I need to be more clear. You're making rationalizations very, very early on so that the relationship can stay together. And the truth is, narcissists don't really get in um, deep to understand you and what your needs are. And if you haven't got that person that's willing to look at how this is impacting you, and you're only looking at how what their behavior is and making excuses for their behavior, then you're more prone to rationalizations than to look inside and see that actually their their relationship, what the way they're treating you is impacting you. Now, the other reason why you might be making excuses for their behavior is that deep down you see your own flaws and you're explaining them away because you have been in that situation and hence why you're making um, excuses. Because as an empath, that is something that you go to. But the truth is you would never do what the narcissist does without changing your behavior. So for instance, let me let me explain that. If someone said to you as an empath that actually you're really hurting them, you would go away, you would really consider what they're saying and you would take on board and put yourself in their shoes, that's empathy, and then you would change your behavior moving forward. It might not be a drastic change of behavior, you might fall every now and again, but you are going to adjust your behavior to actually please the narcissist. So that that is something that is really important here. You you justifying their behavior for how they're feeling isn't actually, and thinking that, oh, I, I do that. You don't do that. You don't actually remain doing it over and over again, even though you have empathy and you want, you know, you have a part of you that wants to change and heal for, for evolving the relationship moving forward. So it might be that you need to do some therapy if you're justifying your, you know, their behavior. One of the key things might be before you get into a new relationship is heal the part of you that is feeling like, I'm bad or I I've done this before and then you find yourself because of that you're justifying what they're doing the narcissist is amazing at justifying what cannot be justified yeah like literally you you know they might hit you and and they're telling you that it was your fault that you antagonized them that cannot be justified and if you want to stick in this relationship for your for yourself, it's maybe because there's some dysfunctional reasons. There could be, you might have a fear of being alone or you're tired of being single or you don't want to be alone in the new city. Loneliness is a massive reason why we stay in narcissistic relationships. Whatever the reason is, you want to heal that, get to the core of that, rather than stay in the relationship um, because you're fearful of, of feeling those emotions. B 
being in a toxic or narcissistic relationship is the most loneliest times that anyone has ever experienced. Being in a relationship and not being heard, understood, appreciated, there's nothing more lonely. You know, it's easy to think that, oh, I don't want to be alone and you're fearful because of that feeling. But maybe it's because of the narcissistic relationship that you're feeling so much pain around being alone, around being not understood. And that is what you need to heal. So just watch those times where you feel like you're rationalizing. Number three, do your own deep dive into um, yourself. You know, what is it that you want? You know, what, what don't I want to live in? What is it that you truly want? If you, if I could, I would get every single person, and I think this should be done in schools, where you do some sort of therapy before you get to 25. Because then you can actually look at your childhood or, you know, bullying at school or whatever it was that has actually caused some trauma for you. There's very few people out there that have picture-perfect childhoods. You might have loving relationships with your parents, but actually there's certain things that cause trauma. Trauma is passed down from generation to generation. So there will be some trauma, usually, for people to heal. And if you could do a deep dive into your relationships, you, how you grew up, where you, what you felt, so that you could actually, you know, heal some of that and master your own story before you get to 25. That could be amazing. Look, if you look back on your life and you look back when you were a teenager, you thought you knew it all. You thought you could you could do anything and you could get through anything and your parents didn't know anything. And actually, at that time, that was okay. But actually, when you get to a point of 25, you want to be in a position where you are not getting into those toxic relationships because it's so saddening when I speak to clients that are in their 50s, 60s, 70s. 50s not so much because they've still got a lot of time. 60 as well, but 70s, you know, it takes a lot more energy and actually they've spent decades in toxic relationships. Oh, it's so sad that, you know, that that happens. So it would be amazing if you actually could just heal the blind spots that you might have because of the vulnerabilities of the, of the way you grew up. And if you did have a narcissistic parent, then you really do need to heal that um, so that you don't get into these toxic relationships. There's no way around it. It's going to come to you. You're going to be you're going to be attracted to these things, not because there's um, something wrong with you. It's just that there's some pain that you need to heal still that will be seen in, in relationships, whether you like it or not. Number four is honestly trust your gut instinct, your gut, your intuition, your guidance system. When it comes to thinking about relationships, please don't think that you know, you're wrong or you doubt yourself. If there's something, if there's a bodily reaction, especially if you've been in toxic relationships growing up or if you've been in toxic relationships before, your gut instinct will tell you, mm -mm -mm, this doesn't feel right. And you really need to look at that. Not so much the justifications or 
not so much, you know, the conditioning, but more so the gut instinct that's saying that, you know, this feels familiar, this, this, I'm getting triggered, you know, and actually your primitive part of the brain will know, you know, there's a trigger here, those voices and conditioning that you've used to survive, those deeper wounds will get triggered where you need to start listening to your gut instinct. Number five, please look at what you believe love is. Don't confuse love and abuse. We have been taught, especially if you've been in toxic relationships growing up, that actually trauma, bonds and um, abuse is love. Yeah. Trauma bonds is a massive thing. You need to look at what is a trauma bond and you will know how trauma bonds just are so debilitating. They just don't make any sense. You will know what you need to do, but you'll sabotage yourself over and over again. You know you want to heal, but you won't take the actions to heal. You know what you need to do. You'll procrastinate. You won't move forward on and and you know it, but you're making excuses about why you can't move forward. The truth is, if you look at yourself when you had more energy and not such a strong trauma bond, you wouldn't make excuses. You would find a way through. But when there's a strong trauma bond in place, you fear healing. You fear it, the very thing that is going to help you move forward. And it actually stops you. Trauma bonds stop you from experiencing happiness. You want happiness, but you can't do the very thing that will help you create happiness. You will avoid it. It's tough. Some of us get to a point where we want to do our personal um, deep dive, but we just don't understand what is love, what is instability. We think love and instability is together, or love and chaos is together, love and abuse is together, love and invalidation is like drama. That's the kind of excuses that you can make for trauma bond, or I feel you, you'll make weird and wonderful excuses. I'm too tired to do this. Um, you know, you you won't you'll feel or you might even feel guilty about investing in yourself so that you can get happiness, so you can break those bonds. None of it makes any sense. But you have to work through and know that this is a trauma bond, and even though I fear it, I'm gonna do it. Yeah, so number six, let's look at this. You have been sold the Disney concept. Now, if you have, you're around my age or, you know, maybe a little bit younger as well, you know, you will be brought up with fairy tales and love stories that Disney kind of told us that actually, you know, we're going to have this whirlwind and he's going to see me or she's going to see me. I'm going to fall in love and it's going to be amazing and they're going to know it's me and blah, blah, blah. And it's, you know, we need to make sure that we don't get distracted by all this fluff and drama during the first parts of the relationship. We need to look at how do also, how do they want to make us happy, make you happy? They will want to, you know, make you happy in some way. They want to give you something. Maybe at the beginning, they might want to make you a delicious meal or somehow show their appreciation and love for you or the fact that they like you. 
we really need to look and de, you know, break down this whole concept of love. The most precious thing you can give anyone is things that you can't buy from the shops. And that is your true presence. If you could be you, because look, it, there's so many worries and fears. And that is why the practice of giving space in and around us is so important because you cannot be a happy person unless you feel some level of freedom. Space is so important. So you know that you can be you. And if you can give someone else space and they can give you space, do they notice, you know, at the beginning, do they allow you to be you and then take it away from you? Love bombing is all about telling you what you want to hear. You've told them what you want and they repeat it back to you or show you that. They're giving you the glimmers of hope that you can be you and they're going to love you for you. Only to be told at times that you're not good enough. The truth is that you will do anything to get back to you. Anything. The question is, do you feel like you can really be you? Or do you feel like you have to conform to someone being someone else? Are they giving you space? Number seven. Be careful if you're using words like, oh, it's magical, I feel this connection, and then my soulmate. If you're using words like that, please just let it be a red flag and sit up and be very careful and pay attention. The idea that something is so magical that no one can understand me like you do, and that you're my soulmate, and that we have this deeply out-of-the-world connection may actually reflect a deeper need to be understood, heard, valued. And it could be that it's something, it's a wound from a young age. And that is how they are hooking you in. And it is very normal, by the way, to need this. There's nothing wrong with you needing this. But this is a signature move of a narcissist. And the challenge here is is if it's so-called magical, and you are starting to rationalize these very visible red flags, you need to actually look at, okay, what is this magical connection? What is it? And actually quantify or write, is it, what is it that they do that's making me feel this way? If they understand, if they know you, if they know the true presence of you, your authentic presence of who you truly are and you're giving they're giving you the space to be you you should have a sense of freedom around this relationship it won't be this magical feeling it'll be different it's grounding so freeing and so loving okay let's look at number eight If the relationship moves too fast, it's risky potentially. Um, Not always, in not all cases, it's fast, and I'll go, I'll move on to that. But if you go on a vacation too fast, or if you're getting engaged too fast, or married, or you're going on holiday, or, or children too fast, or whatever it could be, it's 
they're moving too fast. Now, there are stories of people that actually meet and they get married and they live happily ever after, you know, where people really did find the right person for them. It's very few, though. Majority, hundreds and thousands of narcissistic relationships are where they've started way too fast. And the quicker the narcissist can get you on the hook, the quicker the devaluation and discard cycle starts, and then you're in too deep. If you've moved too fast, too quick, the usual tricks of realisation and second chances will have to kick in because you'll have no other choice because you can't, it's harder to get out because you're in too deep, too fast, and you can't make sense of it all in your head. So, and then you become too afraid to say no in case you lose that person, in case you lose what they're offering you or what you have perceived that they're offering you. If you, if a person is really in charge of pacing the relationship at their level and you're not able to say, actually, hey, slow down, we need to slow this down, then actually, maybe this is a narcissistic relationship and you want to slow it down. I always think, you know, relationships are like, brick by brick, you know, you're getting to know each other, you're, you're creating the relationship together. And it takes time. And, you know, if you look at the Taj Mahal, which was a labor of love, you know, it's it'll take time to make something beautiful together, to actually express your love for each other. It's not something that happens over three months, a, a year, you know, it takes time. And if someone is pushing back and saying, this is a problem that you're not uh, committed enough, then that is, you know, the first parts of a coercive controlling relationship. They're not allowing you to be you. They're locking you in. It's more like they're building a prison around you rather than a Taj Mahal as an expression of the love for you. So that is, you know, and, and another thing is they might text you and they are texting you all the time and they're asking you to text them all the time because they need to know that you're what you're doing at all times and they're calling you all the time. And if you don't respond straight away, it doesn't matter if you're in a meeting there, it's like basically they're saying, you, you know, you don't love me and you're not committed and they give you a hard time. This is literally an emergency alert. <laughs> it's so dangerous you know if they aren't allowing you and giving you space space as I said earlier is so vital it's your freedom and I'm not talking about space where you can go off and do whatever you want it's actually allowing you to be you you know um now look there is a caveat to this sometimes um narcissists want to play the game of you chase them you know, it's like that cat and mouse thing. And they think, oh, you're so lucky to be with me. You need to chase me. Then what happens is you f- you go into the chase and you're so desperate to win them over that you miss the red flags that way as well. So you're so re- relieved that they're responding that you actually um, don't see the red flags. And boom, again, you are in the toxic relationship without knowing. Number nine is a massive, massive turn off, which is gaslighting. Once gaslighting starts, then the emotional abuse starts and it's 
pretty much you're in a toxic relationship and it's the first time they might say something like you're you're um you're insane you're you don't know what you're talking about you don't remember they're changing reality they're calling you crazy and telling you that or if you feel like you need to write everything down because they're actually changing things to suit them and their narrative then um Again, that's gaslighting. If they're telling you need therapy because there's something wrong with you, again, that is the worst gaslighting I think there is, you know, because they're saying to you, you need her- her therapy to heal um, because you're so crazy. But the truth of the matter is, yes, you need therapy to heal from the impact of being in a toxic relationship with them. And it's their sick way of gaslighting you so you never get help and you never get, you're never able to move on. And I honestly think it's the best place to politely say goodbye and run <laughs> the other way. Um, what is critically important is that you hold on to your reality. And if you can't leave, communicate it, tell them that this is my reality. And if you're met with more gaslighting, then you know that this is ga- there is gaslighting in this relationship. And if that, if gaslighting is one of the patterns it's impossible pretty much for them to change and it will destabilize you for years to come, year on year of gaslighting. And once the gaslighting starts off, you have to respectfully reach in, turn it off and move and and leave, move out of that. So number 10, future faking. Future faking is a classical love bombing tool. Someday we're going to go off and do this. Someday we're going to live in a different country. Someday we're going to go traveling together. This is what they're sucking you in. This is why you you stayed in the relationship for so long. Is they carefully knit your dreams. And this is what you can grieve for for a very, very long time. And you might never be able to get over it. Because they sold you this dream that someday we we were going to be doing this together and promising you something and you hang in there and you dealt with their abuse for that someday for so long and you have to get courageous about this and say it's not healthy for me now that someday is never going to come by the way that is just going to get more and more unhealthy and you have to see okay you know the future faking what, why are they shopping for rings or why are they looking for an amazing house to put an offer on? You know, what, what is it they're using to keep you in the relationship? Is it because they're saying, I really want to support you. I want to pay for your tuition. I want to give you this dream of being whatever it is that you want. What is it they're using to future fake? Because that is the very thing that they're going to keep away from you. And you could be waiting a whole lifetime. And they're chipping away at that specifically over time. Number 11, be careful that you're not making big sacrifices early on in the relationship. Moving across the world, um, you know, if if they're gaslighting you or disrespecting you, you know, what are they... Are they asking you to leave your job? Um, you know, if you're, what they're trying to do is get you into a position where it's really difficult for you. They're making your environment 
compound the actual abuse. So for instance, you they might make you go somewhere where you can't speak the language or you don't know the customs or you can't get a job or you can't afford to do anything on your own. Financial abuse is huge in toxic relationships. They're trying to get you to rely on them and then they will control everything that you do because you feel you can't live without them. They might say at first, I'll cover your bills or you can drop out of school. But what they're trying to do early on is to get you to give up important things to you so that you then cannot grow and develop to meet your potential. That's the aim of the game for them, right? They want to break you down so that you don't actually meet your full potential. That is what they're trying to do. So if you're making a massive sacrifice for this relationship, that is what the t- the, they're setting up as the tone for the relationship as a whole. What they're saying is you have to prove that you love me. And then you're constantly sacrificing you, your ability, your greatness, yourself for the relationship. And if anyone's asking you to sacrifice yourself, they're actually going against the fundamentals of what we're talking about earlier in terms of space, giving someone space to be, to be their full potential. That's That's not love. That's the opposite of love. They're trying to get you to reject being your authentic self for the relationship. So if they're saying to you, don't do that degree, you don't need to, I'll look after you. Might sound good, but it really isn't. Number 12, gatekeeping is really important. Yeah. And sometimes we listen to other people that are well-meaning, that mean, you know, they're good friends. And they're saying to you, oh, you know, you're being too fussy. That person's okay. You know, um, they're excited for your relationship or they call you really lucky or they're saying, oh, you're a commitment phobe or you're, you're, so what they're doing is even if your instincts are saying something's wrong here, something doesn't feel right, you go to them and they kind of get you to make excuses. They get you to self-doubt. So don't go to other people looking for, is this the right relationship for me? You really need to develop your gut instinct to know whether this is the right or wrong relationship for me. You need to know. You know, if your head and your gut are talking to two different languages, you need to stop and slow down. And really think about it for yourself. Don't go to a well-meaning friend or anything that doesn't understand narcissistic relationships. They might not know. Or they might think that, oh, you're being too sensitive or you're seeing it everywhere now. Not everybody is a narcissist. Well, it could be that you are attracting narcissistic, toxic relationships because you've got something to heal. You know, so please don't get sucked into what everyone else is saying. Your intuition is actually a really, um, you know, strong part of the brain and, you know, a really vital part where if you've been in toxic relationships before, you'll know it. 
And that gut instinct has to be listened to and heard um, because you'll probably know, right? So look, it's really important um, that if you don't want to get into another relationship like this, that you do develop these gatekeeping skills and if you do, if you think of anything else that actually has helped you gatekeep, then please do share it, uh, message me or comment. Um, it'll be a benefit for everybody. And also, if you need some support in healing so you can thrive in relationships, and then look at the life's, um, the resources section. If you really cannot afford to get into another toxic relationship again and you can see that actually these type of relationships, the cost is too high and you feel it's important for you to invest in yourself and you, you, know, you know you're worth investing in, then do look at the resources section for the masterclass and see if you're in alignment with the Heal to Thrive program. So that 2024 is a different year for you. This is for people who know that if you carry on as you are, nothing will change and how things will just get worse and you don't want to continue this way anymore. And it means doing something different so that you can get a different result. And if that's you now, 2024 and beyond, let's see if we're aligned and we'll see if we can get you onboarded to the Heal to Thrive program. But most of all, if there's one thing that you want to take away from this is keep being loving, compassionate and understanding towards yourself. It is really vital that you do that. And actually that, to me, is the most important gatekeeping um, point. You know, if you can cultivate self-love, self-worth, that is the biggest gatekeeper of all. So till next time, Keep being kind, keep being loving. See you next time.